Hi, and welcome to another edition of Menopause Buddies. Today, I'm joined by Donna. Donna's based in East Lancashire, and she's a yoga teacher. Hi, Donna. Hi, Annie. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Great. That's good. And I'm good, too. Um, Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, Donna? Yes, sure. Yeah. Um, I am a 49-year-old woman. Um, I'm a mother of two teenagers. And um, yes, as you said, I am a, well, Pilates and yoga teacher, um, but only recently from the beginning of this year. Um, my background is a is as a solicitor um, in law. Um, I practiced for about 30 years uh, as a lawyer, with the last eight of them being a partner in a national law firm. And over the course of last year, we had some changes at work. We went through a merger with an international law firm. And it forced me to really reconsider where I was at, where I was going and what I was going to to do in the next chapter, really. It was a time I felt of, of real reflection. It's partly to do with my age, a lot to do with perimenopause, um, but also because of what was going on at work. Um, and with that, then, uh, it caused me to reflect, really, to see where I was at, where I was going. And I decided really to follow my dreams. Um, I had always been a big fan of exercise, of exercise throughout my life um, and have practiced yoga and Pilates on and off. And I took the opportunity really to take the step away from law um, and set up my own wellness business, teaching Pilates and yoga. And here I am. Oh, fantastic. What a, wow, what a career change. Yeah, it's a, just a bit. Um, I think pe- when I first sort of told people at work what I was planning on doing, um, apart from the shock that I was exiting law and, you know, leaving my career behind, um, I don't think people were that surprised. I've got a lot, a lot of drive, a lot of energy um, in me, and I'm very passionate about what I do. Um, so, yeah, it's and it's been a whirlwind since I've been. I set this up in in January, but um, I'm loving every minute of it, and and, and not really missing law. So um, I think that's a good sign. Wow. And, and do you think that change was in any way affected by the stage of life that you're at? You know, perimenopausal. Absolutely, yeah. I think um, that, that it's multifactorial for me. Really, um, the I think the catalyst for me in making the change was probably what was actually going on at work the merger there was things going on um within work itself but that process caused me to really assess to really stop and pause and assess where I am or where I was should I say in life and I think so many times as women um you particularly if, if you're you know mothering as well you're trying to get on with your career you're so busy just getting to the next stage sometimes just getting through a day um yeah. but you don't really take that time to pause and reflect and think where do I where do I want to be what do I want to do and I think that links back to my perimenopausal journey because I really lost myself during my perimenopausal madness is how I called it at the time um I remember um feeling so far away from who I was because of the symptoms that I was suffering with and I think that in itself as well 
was another driver for me to make the change. Wow. And, and, and what, what were, you mentioned the symptoms, what were they? that you were experiencing? Well, there were a whole constellation. I think that's the, that's the problem with perimenopause is you, uh, it's only really sometimes once you realise what you're, you're going through and you look back, mm. can you actually really piece it all together and say, how did I not notice or how did I not know what was going on? Um, because when you're going through it, the symptoms can be variable. They can be different on different days, on different yeah. times. Um, but I had a real constellation of symptoms ranging from dizziness to um, heart palpitations. Um, I got night sweats, but I remember thinking for months and weeks on end, oh, maybe I'm just hot at night, despite my husband snoring his head off beside me, not feeling any temperature change. Um, but for me, I mean, there's again, I, I suppose there's sort of, I'm a very sort of, I, I put up with things, I deal with things, but there have been certain catalysts in my time that made me really think, oh, this isn't right. So, for example, with the, the perimenopausal symptoms, I had never experienced rage like I started to get when I was perimenopausal. And I have a really clear example of this in my mind of when it happened. I've been at work all day. It was in it was July 2018. I know because I started to track my symptoms then. And um, it was boiling hot. I drove home from work and all I could think about was I had a mint Cornetto. Can I say Cornetto is an advert? Yeah. Can I? <laughs> it was in the freezer when I thought, I know I've got, I, I know there's one left in the freezer. I'm going to have that when I get in. It was boiling. I came home, it was school holidays. I walked in, opened the freezer and it had gone. And my son, <laughs> didn't know I had my mind, you know, focused. Fixated. On, exactly, fixated. That's the word, Annie, fixated. And I remember I flew into a rage. I, you know, when people say you see red, I mean, I literally thought I saw red. I, I, I felt like I needed to run away from myself because I was so angry over this Cornetto. I remember walking out of the kitchen and going to sit outside to try and calm myself down because it, I just was enraged. And, and that was a, a big moment for me. And that is when I sat down in the garden and I got my phone out and I went into my notes and I started to write down exactly how I'd been feeling. Um, and the first one here, I've got my notes in front of me, was irritability at the highest level and even rage. Yeah. And I headed these notes in my phone, PMT, because I just thought that it was premenstrual tension and that it was getting worse. And then as I started to write this list, it's quite long, Annie. Have you? How long have you got? Oh, no, we're, we're, all, we're all here and listening. We, we all want to know. <laughs> the other thing was significant fatigue. I, I started to get tired, um, particularly, though, when I was due on my period. I was found, finding the exhaustion really, really difficult to, to, to manage. Um, the third one on the list, which would probably be my husband's first one on the list, but the third one for me was my complete lack of sex drive. The it just gone. It it got up, got up, taken a hike, and gone somewhere. And I just couldn't understand how that would happen to me. Um, I put frustration with everything and everyone. Nothing is right. 
teary, headachey, heart palpitations, irrational beyond belief. I'm not painting a really good picture of myself here, am I? But <laughs> I think you're painting a picture that we've all we've all seen and we're all part of. Yeah, um, yeah. but it was what the the reason why I had written this here um, was because I really started to notice it was having a detrimental impact not just on me, but on my family and my relationships. And yeah. I felt ashamed as how I'd reacted with my son um, over this Cornetto. And when I calmed down, I thought, yeah, I, 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 what can I do here? What can I do to help myself? Because I think this PMT, which is what I was thinking it was, is getting really, really bad. I didn't know about perimenopause at this time in 20, it's 2018. So what, that's five years ago, I was mm. 44 and I just hadn't, you know, dotted the I's and crossed the T's and thought that it was anything other than the PMT. And I thought, Oh, crikey, I've got this now until like my period stop. And, and, and here we go. So, um, I try to, treat myself holistically I've, I've never been one for taking medication or anything like that if I can avoid it um and I as I said I'd always sort of gone to my exercise that's always been my uh anchor really when I've been stressed at work or um also to just look after myself really I like to run I like to uh, strength train um and I used to do a bit of yoga and pilates on and off throughout um my life but mm. I started to look at ways to really deal with these PMT symptoms and um, found that really I needed to find my way back to yoga. So I started really focusing on the yoga and started to practice daily. And I did find that really, really started to help me. I also, really importantly, actually, Annie, um, but this happened a little later, actually, it wasn't until 2020, I stopped drinking alcohol. Um, and that made a big right. difference yeah. as well. So first of all, I, I, I the yoga came um, and I started to feel the benefits of the yoga um, pretty quickly, actually, because yoga isn't just about making shapes on a mat. It's about your breath work. It's about uh, meditating. It's about being present and also, Annie, about finding stillness. And sometimes it's only when we find stillness that we can actually really find ourselves. Um, so I found that that was really helpful to me. But I was still getting, you know, the symptoms, the fatigue, the pal pal palpitations, which worried me a bit. Mm. Um, but ironically, there was I didn't do anything about it. I I just thought that that's the way it is you know this is this is just how it's going to be and I just got on with it like I said I, I was doing the yoga I started to I've always I've always eaten really well because I believe in in fueling your body really is you know it's really important um but I didn't I just didn't get, get help I didn't know what I didn't know what I was dealing with and then of course I mean, I'm a naturally curious person I think that comes as part of my role as, a, as being a solicitor as well I started to Google research and then, you know, perimenopause started to come up. And then around this time, I think it was a two, you know, 2020. And there was a lot of Davina McCall, you know, starting to talk about it. Dr. Naomi Potter, who um, is one of the uh, menopause doctors and also Dr. Louise Newson. Um, I started 
following them and listening to what they had to say and started really dotting the I's and crossing the T at that point myself. Mm. Um, And that's really when I thought, actually, I don't have to try and manage this by myself. Then I may be able to take HRT. Um, So I went um, armed with all my list of symptoms and including the the nice clinical guidelines, Annie, because that's the kind of person (laughs) I am. I, I, I'd almost immersed myself in this um, perimenopause journey um, because I, by then I knew exactly what was happening to me and I know my body. And I think that's partly it as well as, is, and again, the yoga kind of helps with that because you do learn much more about your body. You're more in tune with your body when you're practicing yoga. Um, and it's making that time to check in with yourself. You check in with yourself on the mat, you explore your body on the mat, you know, Um, you're more in tune with it. So by doing that process, it helped me, I think, really understand my symptoms. And so I went to the doctors armed with all this information. And I was kind of ready, really, for a bit of a a challenge, because I'd heard so many women having different experiences, saying they've been fobbed off and going on antidepressants. And I thought, I've never had, you know, thankfully, touch wood, I've never had to take anything like that in my life. I'm not going to be fobbed off with that this by, by a doctor. Thankfully, I went to see my GP. I saw the nurse practitioner, actually. And to say that she was so sympathetic and understanding is an understatement. And so much so that when I poured my heart out to her and told her of everything that I had been experiencing, and by this stage, it had been since, well, since before 2018. 2018 is when I started tracking the symptoms. But that by that time, I had been experiencing them for some time. And I think in reality, I'd probably been going through them for maybe a year or two before that. But what with life and work and yeah. what have you, I just didn't sort of take too much notice of it. I started to cry um, because I felt oh. relieved um, that I, you know, that it was real and I wasn't making it up and, you know, that yeah. that someone was could understand me. So she quickly got me on to HRT, um, which, wow, gosh, um, very, very quickly, the benefits kicked in. And particularly, my, I, the one thing I noticed very quickly, almost instantly, was my night sweats stopped. And I didn't realise how bad my night sweats were. Again, you know, sometimes you, when you're in something, you don't realise how bad things are until you move out and you look back on it. Um, yeah, and... Um, um, I was having full night sleeps again rather than waking up all, you know, in a, in a pile of uh, sweats and having to change my pajamas. So that was uh, an instant benefit. But also, moreover, actually, there were other benefits for me. Um, but I also think it's really important to to talk about the not just the physical symptoms, but I had, um, and I'm sorry I missed this earlier, but I with with my symptoms, I started to suffer with um not anxiety so much but overwhelm this awful feeling of being overwhelmed by everything going on maybe that is anxiety I don't know I've, I've never really been an anxious anxious person from I've been got I went from being this really super capable efficient woman to the smallest thing causing me a feeling of overwhelm where I'm thinking I can't do it and I've got a specific example because again it was that sort of catalyst moment and this was the this is actually the example that made me make the appointment with the GP was 
and my husband and I were doing some work decorating at home and he said to me oh I've run out of paint can you pop down to B&Q and just pick up another pot of paint for me and I just remember thinking I can't I can't do this and that was so far removed from who I am it was incredible incredible and I, and I got really upset thinking I have to go what do I have to do I have to get my keys I have to get my purse and it just seemed like a massive task to go and get one simple thing from the shop and I I remember my husband <laughs> bless him didn't really know what was going on didn't really get it but was trying to be supportive um, and that's when I thought this is not right that was the you know, that moment where I thought right I've got to go and see yep. the GP um, but also there had been an incident at work as well. I, I had to do a, um, a presentation for a tender submission for a client at work. And I remember that my brain fog was really bad and I was worried that I wouldn't be able to deliver the presentation. I would be worried that I wouldn't be able to even think of the words to say, let alone engage my audience. So um, those happened quite close together they that was in around uh 2021 early 2021 and that's when I got, got help from my GP so going back to that I I found the HRT was brilliant straight away um it really helped but it didn't really improve my sex drive and my brain fog was still there so I then was still researching looking at you know what remedies and things were available and came across testosterone and I didn't realize again we don't know these things we're not taught these things that actually testosterone is is a is a big hormone that we have as women in our bodies and you know it's, it's always thought of as being a, a male um hormone and that as that depletes that can affect particularly your energy levels your brain fog and your sex drive so um, I asked to be referred to a gynecologist um, to speak to someone about getting testosterone because my GP couldn't prescribe it. They were very supportive, by the way, but they just said we, it's, it's not licensed in our area to, to prescribe for you. Um, so I was put on the waiting list to see the gynecologist on the NHS. In the meantime, I thought I... I was lucky that I had some private health cover, cover at work. So I did see somebody privately um, who recommended that I should go on testosterone. They got blood tests done for me. And actually my testosterone was very, very low. Mm. So I was prescribed testosterone, went on that. And that took a few months to kick in. Um, and it, I know from speaking with other women that that does take a bit more time, but that was really helpful. That really was the missing piece of the jigsaw puzzle in my HRT plan, my treatment, yeah. and got me back to me. And once I got that, honestly, I feel like since then I've I've been, yeah, back to who I was, back to Donna rather than yeah. this kind of woman who I, I didn't recognise anymore. Goodness. Well, that was a journey, wasn't it? <laughs> Sorry, a long one, Annie. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. It, I mean, I'm sure lots of listeners will it will resonate with them. So, w w at what stage were you when you made the career change? Yeah, so I was. I started the HRT in around summer 2021, and the testosterone not long after, about September, I think it was. So it was over the course of that summer, and then it was then February 2022. So only six months later 
where these changes at work started to happen. And um, and it, I felt, because I'd felt so much better, I, I, it's really hard to describe how when you feel lost and you don't recognise yourself for so mm. long, when you do um, find yourself again, you really feel empowered. I felt very, very empowered. I felt very strong. I felt very capable. I know lots of women don't always feel like that in midlife. And I certainly didn't until I went on HRT. I'm not saying that everybody should go on HRT. Of course, you know, not everybody can and not everybody wants to. And actually, holistic remedies like yoga, like cutting out the alcohol, like watching what you eat, that all does help. But it really, for me, the HRT with the testosterone was was the was the winning formula um, in in addition to my lifestyle changes. Um and I almost feel that I became empowered by my midlife. My children were or are growing up, you know, my my son's now 17, my daughter's 15, and they, whilst they still need me, they need me in different ways. And I have I had found I was having more time to um work on what I wanted again, think about me for a change. And yeah, and so that process then with what happened at work really made me feel then that I could do something else um, and caused me to examine where I was, where I was heading and yeah, made me think, actually, I can, I can leave law. I think it gave me the confidence to do it as well because it was a bold move. It's a, I, and I'm, it's, I'm really proud of it that I've done it. Yeah. Um, but it's, it, it's brave and it, and you need courage to do it. And there's no way I'd have been able to do that back in 2018, 2019. I just, I, I couldn't even think about it. It wouldn't have been on my radar at all, but I feel that we do talk about perimenopause as being a sort of neg with negative connotations. And, and of course they can be because the symptoms are very debilitating for women. But if you get it right and you get the right treatment and you you get through it, actually, I think it can be really empowering time of life more widely in midlife. Um, but you need to you need to feel strong and, and you need that sort of support in place. And of course, when I talk about support there, I mean if your partner can understand you, can try and help you. I'm not saying that they need to 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 fully get it, but if they're there to support you, that can help your family, your friends. I mean, we all need good good girlfriends in midlife, don't we, Annie? That's yeah. what we need to keep yeah. us talking and um, being our support network. And I took a lot of comfort in my my friends during that time. We talked a lot. They discovered things about themselves. You know, I taught they they, they always call me Doctor Donna because I'm just <laughs> that's, that's me. Um, but I was almost educating them about the things that I was learning, saying, oh, did you know this? And did you know that? And and, and that's what it's about as well, is it's spreading the word. So the more you talk to your friends, they'll talk to other people. And this raising awareness of all these symptoms that women are going through is so important because certainly when it was my mum's era, although actually, Annie, my mum did take HRT. I remember her taking it in the early 90s. Um, she was a bit older than me. Uh, she um her generation certainly you know didn't weren't made aware of it as much as we were and uh, and, and sadly for me I, I didn't have my mum around as I started to go through the symptoms to to talk to about it so um that was a bit difficult for me then yeah because often um you follow your mother's path don't you in terms of the age and the the experiences not always but often 
No, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And um, I'd, I'd lost my mum when I was 37. So um, oh. quite young. Um, yeah. And she was only quite young as well. She was only 67. So that was a, a big loss for me. But also it's that like you say, it's that source of information. And and I know that perhaps maybe some women of that generation would not have um, talked about it and said, oh, you know, you're just going through the chain, you've got to put up with it and whatever. But I, th- I know that had my mum been around, I'm sure she'd have been um, happy to share her story with me. And I, I only know that because I remember her being on HRT, but I don't really recall the details. I don't know whether it was when she actually was menopausal, whether she was perimenopausal. I just don't know. But yeah. I think you take um, comfort or, or you one of your strategies is, is relying on friends and maybe your mother or other people who've gone through it to help you and support you through the process. Yeah, and finding, I think, what you, you know, you've hit the nail on the head, finding out what, what works for you because you've, it sounds like you've nailed it in terms of being able to get back to you at quite an early age, actually, because you're not yet even 50 um so you know you're in a good place and I, I was just thinking as you were talking how what a loss for the law firm to lose you at your most powerful when you were you know feeling this empowered woman and I think that's probably happens quite a lot in the working world because women are realizing well hey I'm capable of anything so um let me yeah. out there <laughs> I agree and I, I think um you know uh, my firm included they had a menopause policy in place uh, they had lots of initiatives around um, menopause you know champions being appointed and things like that um and yes I think you know I mean I didn't I, I, well I never told anybody that I was going through perimenopause at work once once I realized I, did, I kept it to myself because that came much later so when I was going through my symptoms back in 2020 2021 they my firm was still was not talking about it um and and I, I would say that that's that was fair to say for, for the majority of, of firms and companies and businesses that they, they still weren't accommodating uh, perimenopausal women and also though as a lawyer you just wouldn't admit it you wouldn't say oh gosh you know I'm really struggling because I can't, don't think I can string a sentence together I can't even remember the name my name let alone anything else you know yeah it, it would almost be embarrassing to to uh, to do that but actually once they implemented these menopause policies other partners came out and said, I've been through this, I've been through that. And it was it was great for everybody else in the firm to to hear that and 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 genuinely feel supported. I think to be fair, I think that the firm didn't just pay lip service to the policy. But the policy itself is all about, you know, being accommodating, you know, maybe with changing hours or being a bit more understanding about if anyone wants to work from home. And they are brilliant initiatives. But I also think that firms need to be careful or businesses that you do come into this phase of life and you are less tolerant generally about you know putting up with other people's rubbish and you think Mm. actually I think they need to be whatever the policy they have they need to treat their staff with kindness um because people will not put up with as much I think um in midlife so I think there's that element to it. But, and then if they don't and they lose that, they lose that um, intel, the knowledge, the depth and breadth of experience that someone who's had a career that spans 30 odd years can only have, you know. Um, yeah, exactly. So there is a huge gap in the workforce and there, there is a reason for employers to retain. But equally, though, as I say to everyone, this is my midlife awakening. You know, nothing 
no incentive would have made me stay. Once I'd made my mind up to do something and go, that was it. I, you know, I was going come what may and, and, um, you know, stepping into the unknown was, is still, um, and was really scary, but you know, if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. Right. I always say to people, a comfort zone is a beautiful place, but nothing ever grows there. So you have to step out. You have to push yourself. And and actually, when I look back, I've always been a bit like that anyway. I, I break molds. I do things differently. And um, yeah, uh, but it's got me to where I am now. Yeah. So I guess that the women, the women that leave like you, it's good because you're going on to better things that more suit you at this stage in your life. Yeah. And I think also you're doing something perhaps maybe that aligns more with your values. So, you know, I, I started off as a fresh faced 20 odd year old lawyer thinking, oh, you know, I well, first of all, I thought I could save the world, you know, as, as um, <laughs> you're full of optimism and, and idealistic ideas. I think when you're young that that age, but also full of ambition, thinking I want to progress up the ladder. I want to, you know, um, make something of myself here. But actually, through your you know twenties, your thirties, and into your forties, you change. You do change. Your you age for a start. Your outlook on life changes. Your perspective changes. Life happens. Things happen to you, and they cause you to reflect and and see things a little differently. And of course, again, bringing in the yoga that does that too. You know that brings you uh, life to a different perspective as well. But. But doing that process, you just get on with it because you're busy, you're doing that. And then it's only when you really stop and pause that you think, actually, where am I going? What am I doing? And we just don't do it very often, Annie, do we? We just get on with it. That's what we do as women. Yeah, because life takes over, doesn't it? We're just busy looking after people. We're working, we're doing this, we're doing that, and we don't have time to think. And there was something you said quite early on about yoga when it it gets you back to you because – yeah, in midlife, you do lose you quite easily, uh, especially with all the hormonal shifts, but also with life. You know, you have bereavements, you have um, childcare, then you have teenagers, which are another issue, and then you have them leaving home, and then you have maybe, if you're lucky, you have aging parents. You know, so it's a whole mix of needs, and yours are down the bottom of the pile. And at some stage, if you do take some time out with something like yoga, I think it's it's amazing because you do get that space just to get back in touch with yourself yeah I think you're right I think in midlife you're straddling so many different relationships um you know you're a daughter you're a sister you're a mother not all obviously not everybody's mother but you are have responsibilities you are an employee or you're running your own business you are a partner you there's so much that's expected of you at that time in your life when actually you're going through a really difficult time. And ironically, you know, with all your hormones changing and going through the roof, so are your kids if you've got teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. that just seems to be the most cruelest thing, doesn't it? That, you you know, you're both going through this at the same time. Yes. And, um, and if you've got a daughter, your hormones are going in the opposite direction. Absolutely, yeah. like puberty in reverse. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's really, it's, for that reason, it's challenging as well. So whilst they're trying to discover who they are and find their place in the world, you're almost trying to do the same thing uh, again, you know, as, yeah. you, as you try and rediscover who you are. But yes, it's, it's, it's so it's a really challenging, and, and you touched on there about bereavements as well. It might be the first time in your life as you come into midlife that you um, experience a significant bereavement of somebody who's 
close to you, um, you know, parent mm. or something. As you said, you know, you're caring for elderly parents. And um, obviously that happened a lot earlier for me. I, I, I lost my mum 12 years ago. But um, I also lost two of my sisters as well. So um, over an 18-month period, Good I on. lost my first sister um, in October 2010. And my mum became ill very quickly afterwards. Um, and I'm I'm still convinced that it was it was the loss of her, her daughter that, that caused that um, or was the catalyst for it. And then my mum died then on the January 2012. So it was 13, 14 months after my sister. And then a month after my mum died, my other sister got diagnosed with cancer and she died then two months later. Oh, my and word. It was a really, really traumatic time for me. Um, wow. I, you know, I had young children. I was trying to get ahead in my career. But but my coping strategy, and this is, again, me all over, is I get on with it. I just get on with it. And um, I'm... I'm pretty tough. I'm quite resilient. And I've been told that by lots of people who know me really well. Um, but we all cope very, very differently. And I think when you're, I was younger when it happened to me, but if you're going through even just, you know, even when I say even just one bereavement, bereavement is mm. awful, it's devastating. Um, and it doesn't matter who it is. It's, it's, it really, really affects you. But you're dealing with that plus everything else that's going on for you in midlife. I mean, it must be so difficult to 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 cope and to to manage. And and this is where again, you know, I, I teach yoga to everybody, but my I predominantly teach yoga to midlife women. My my market, you know, my target market is midlife women, and they're the people that come to my classes and who I work with one to one. And um, it's about giving those women the tools to equip themselves for dealing with this. And when I say that, obviously you can't fix things for people, but you can help guide and support them by getting them to tune in, check into their bodies and listen and find some solace and some peace and some stillness um, on the mat. Um, And, you know, the breath work, the meditation all helps with that. So yeah, it's it's a it's a very challenging time, and yoga can really really help with that. Because yeah, I guess you teach it's whilst it's not teaching them resilience, it's giving people resilience, isn't it? It's another tool to help you through life. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. it's um, as I, I mean, I said you can't fix things for people, but what people can do is become more connected to themselves, become more centered, become more grounded and take time out for yourself. And I think that's the key thing as well is rather than just getting on and coping and dealing with things is it's taking the time out. Because I always say as well, you can't pour from an empty cup. And actually, there's a reason why when you're on an airplane, they say to put your own you know, oxygen mask on before a child if needed, because for that very reason, you have to look after yourself first before you can really extend that energy to look after other people. Mm. So ironically, the people who are the busiest, who and midlife women, you know, are definitely that cohort. They're the probably the people that need to find the time to make time for themselves. And I don't just mean yoga, actually, Annie. I mean, things like just getting out for a walk, you know, getting out in nature, breathing in the fresh air, noticing what's going on around you, you know, smelling what what's 
in the breeze, hearing the, the the birds in the trees, looking up at the sky. That's all mindfulness, and that all those kind of things also really really help um, as you go through midlife. It's it's just taking time out there as well. Yeah, definitely. No, that all sounds fantastic. And and, and then in terms of the yoga, what yoga is it that you teach? Well, I teach predominantly Hatha yoga. So right. um, I'm trained to teach Vinyasa, Hatha and Ashtanga yoga. I don't actually teach Ashtanga. It's, it's, it's one of the hardest forms of yoga for me. And I think for most people that generally would only practice maybe once a week. Um, but Hatha yoga is where you make a, you come into a flow of sequence of poses, a sequence flow, um, and you find stillness in the poses and that's where you work with your breath. So you use your breath to anchor you into a pose to center you to really deepen the pose, what we call an asana um, in practice. Um, but I also teach vinyasa, which is more of a flowy kind of um, almost dance like yoga, um, which is more of a sequence. And again, that's probably faster paced and a bit more cardio. Um, but I certainly wouldn't um, advertise it as cardio, but it's, it's, it gets your heart rate up and it gets creates heat in the body. So it's two different styles of yoga, but um, they're both equally as beneficial because you start off by centering yourself and you always, always finish yoga in Shavasana, which is the relaxation part at the end of class, which is it's actually the most important part in yoga is taking that time to lie still on the mat and enable all that energy that you've created by that movement on the mat to be reabsorbed back into the body it's um they say it's the most important pose and it really really is it's the one where the change happens and where the magic happens in yoga oh so i i love yoga so you're speaking to the converted here <laughs> if if anyone wanted to join your classes they're 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 not online yet as i understand it are they no, that's right. I'm. Um, I set up in January. Well, not January. I didn't come back from India from my yoga teacher training um, until February. That's probably another story, Annie. <laughs> going off to India to do that. You'll have to come the, back for another session. <laughs> leaving the family for a month to fend for themselves, which um, they survived. Yes, they survived. Yeah. They're still here. Um, but um, yeah, so I sort of came back with an idea that I'd start teaching over the summer, and then I've been um, catapulted into teaching seven classes a week and working uh, one-to-one with people. Actually, I do work with one-to-one individually in person, but I also do online as well. I do Pilates, uh, progressive plans online. And I'm thinking of doing an online offering of a regular sort of membership class um, for yoga and Pilates. But I think that realistically, I need to um, list take my own advice Annie pause take a breath yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and maybe embed really what I'm doing now before I develop any further so um so that's in the pipeline but I'm lots going on sounds wonderful and if people wanted to find you uh, have you got a website I do yes um it's um midlife on the mat at offeringtree.com um I'm also on Instagram with the same name midlife on the mat I thought that was quite good I made that one up myself by I the like way that. Just, yeah <laughs> I like that I'll put I'll put that on the um the the the, the episode details so if anyone as well so it's it's midlife on the mat at offeringtree.com that's it, yeah. And Annie, even my teenagers were impressed with that. So you know you've done well when you've, uh, you you get a nod of a <laughs> you approval. S- you team. certainly do. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
Donna, it's been absolutely fantastic talking to you. And thank you so much for sharing your story. And I'm sure a lot of it is going to resonate with women listening. And yeah, they're all going to be saying, oh, yes, I've got to go and see someone. I'm going up to yoga. Yeah, I hope so. I think for me, um, why I was really interested to talk to you is to, it's a few reasons, really. One, don't ignore the symptoms that you're getting. Don't dismiss your own body. Listen to the body. Listen Mm. to what you're feeling. Um, And because there's a whole myriad of symptoms, just start tracking, really. Take a note of what's happening, what's going on, and seeing how you feel. And yes, of course, start to look at your lifestyle. See how you can help yourself. Can you cut down on your alcohol? Can you eat better? Can you sleep better? Gosh, we didn't even touch on that. Sleep is so important, Mm. of course, to be so messed up as well whilst you're um, dealing with perimenopausal symptoms. But also yoga, Pilates, or walking, running, strength training, whatever you can do to help yourself um, is really important. And of course, lean on friends, lean on people that you can speak to, talk to, and just um, keep the conversation going. Mm. No, fantastic. That's great advice. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Donna. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much, Annie. Lovely to talk to you too. Have a great day. You too, Donna. Bye. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed listening to Donna's story. She certainly had a lot of tips there. If you'd like to share your story on Menopause Buddies, please contact me on annie at menopausebuddies.co.uk.